Hello, and welcome to the Yosemite Area Creatives Podcast. My name is Tom Shiavon, and I'm recording from Yosemite Cowork in Oakhurst, California. I'll be your host as we yak with artists and artisans from the picturesque Sierra Mountains surrounding Yosemite National Park. Yosemite Cowork is designed for people who work from home, entrepreneurs, and anyone else who wants to get work done without distractions. The space features standard desks, an upgraded desk with monitor and dock, and a conference room that can be reserved for calls or private meetings. Customers can work from just a few hours to a full day, and monthly plans allow unlimited, 24-7 access to the office and discounted conference room reservations. With 250 megabit internet in a quiet environment, it's a perfect place to take conference calls, perform high bandwidth tasks, or just be able to focus on a project. Included in any pass is free reverent coffee, Tazo tea, and bottled water, as well as printing, scanning, or faxing. Whether you just need to take a few calls or to escape from the kids long enough to finish a task, Yosemite Cowork is an ideal place to get work done. Interested in learning more? Visit YosemiteCowork.com to view pictures of the space and see pricing options. The Yosemite Sierra Artist Group supplies the art hanging in the co-work, so I've been working surrounded by Moira Donahue's paintings for months. We've met a few times, but I had no idea how deep her roots were in the area. She grew up inside Yosemite National Park, living across the street from structures that are still visited by tourists from around the world. What for me is a planned trip into the park was daily life for her. Looking up at iconic granite structures, hiking among ancient trees, swimming in the park's rivers and lakes, and watching pioneer families with decades of history in the valley live, marry, and die. Can you tell I'm a little jealous? It was a real joy to sit and listen to her talk about her experiences, how they show up in her paintings, and how she reaches even further back in her heritage to bring the Celtic idea of thin places to viewers of her artwork. I hope you enjoy listening to her story as much as I did. All right, Moira Donahue, we're chatting with you today, and um, we've we've met a few times before and talked, but maybe a lot of people have not. Um, so if you could maybe just uh, talk a little bit about how you got to the area. I know in your bio, you mentioned being born and raised in the Yosemite Valley, um, and that whenever you leave, you end up coming back. So maybe just talk a little bit about that, um, what draws you back to the area, and I know um, you've got some long, uh, roots in the area through your family. So maybe just some of that as well. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. Right. Every time I leave, I have to come back. It's really important to my creative energy, I think, and also my psyche. Um, the mountains, I feel like our home and Yosemite itself is sort of like my yardstick, what I measure everything else, you know, if it's how cool is this compared to this yardstick I have in my head, you know, um, I've never seen it, and I've traveled, but I've never seen any, any place as beautiful as Yosemite and it's just home. Um, my great grandparents came there from Ireland in the 19th century and they had a brother, uh, in Coulterville. And so they went there first. That's about 40 miles from Yosemite. And they wanted, well, my great grandfather wanted to see it 
for himself. So he walked up there and they ended up staying in Yosemite and starting a business. So um, it's as far as the inspiring things about it, I love the seasons changing and people say nothing can rival New England, but Yosemite just has something special about it. And um, I know New England's beautiful and there's many beautiful places in the country, but nothing inspires me like the Sierra, especially the Yosemite area. Yeah, it, I was thinking, you know, that's really not a fair yardstick to use because Yosemite, I think, is a unusual concentration of really beautiful places and features and things like that. I'm sure that's one reason why um, people like John Muir and Ansel Adams were drawn to the area, right? People who were like iconic appreciators of beauty um, love the area. And how do you think that maybe having those longer roots in the area through your family, um, how do you think that influences your work and your painting? Um, well, I remember being a kid on the front porch with my grandparents and they would be reminiscing about the old days and the people they used to know and still did know. There often were people that dropped by to see them specifically that because they were very hospitable and um, they knew a lot of people in the park who had moved on to other places and they always look forward to those visits and they'd tell us stories, you know, about what it was like when they were children um, growing up there and it was way different. And um, I just remember those stories that I'm writing myself a bunch of uh, drawing from the stories they told and my parents and the rest of, you know, other family members, I've, I'm working on a bunch of writing and um, paintings to go with it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, about the family and about the roots in Yosemite and how it influences. I mean, it was magic. It, I just thought it was normal. But mm. apparently, it, I mean, a lot of people, we were, it was very special. Yeah, that's understandable. I grew up in South Florida. And it's funny, you can see from the, the architecture that when air conditioning was invented, that's kind of when most of the the things that were built in South Florida, like south of Orlando, exist. And so there's not that long association with the area, and there's not a lot of people there um, that have that long, that long history. So I, I always love that kind of being rooted in an area that I mean, California doesn't have an exceptionally long history itself, less than really 200 years that it's been kind of a populated, at least by Westerners. Yeah, right. My grandfather, John Dagnan, was a doctor, and he was the doctor on the Hetch Hetchy Project. Oh, okay. Um, but he remembers when Hetch Hetchy was a, a beautiful valley like Yosemite with just the river running through it. And he spoke the local Native American dialect, and he'd fish with his friends, you know, the the Miwok, and hike with them and do a lot of stuff with them. But, um, yeah, it's – I don't know where I was going with that. But <laughs> no, those are just cool stories. I just, I just want to hear the stories. Um, you know, in your, um, in your bio, um, one of the things that you mention 
and I'm just going to quote from you here, is that painting is poetic. It allows quick expression as well as reflection and transformation. It's meditation, play, and nirvana all in one. So it sounds to me, and I think we've gotten this already a little bit in our discussion, is that painting isn't just a hobby or a job for you. Um, It sounds like it's a way that you understand yourself and your family um, of growing and processing your experience. Um, So maybe just talk a little bit about that, like what what painting is for you and how, how it just, I know you mentioned your psyche before and all that kind of stuff. So how all that stuff works together. Um, well, I'll have to go back to like the Celtic tradition because Irish and Scottish and Welsh and um, people in Brittany and France and other places, the Celts anyway, are very traditionally creative poets, writers, storytellers, um, and they talk about, in the Irish tradition, there's um, this man named John O'Donohue, who's since passed away, but he wrote a lot of books about, um, he was a philosopher, a poet, um, uh, used to be a Jesuit priest, I think, and a okay. uh, uh, psychologist. Anyway, he, he wrote about places called Thin Places, and they're places that are very close to heaven, the veil is very thin between the physical place and the other side. And to the Irish people, um, there's, especially the traditional Irish people, there's no, hardly any separation. They talk about it as if it were, you know, it's right here. Mm-hmm. And that's the way my grandparents talked about it. Um, so I think that um, being able to paint to put into some physical form for me, uh, that feeling or that sensibility is what painting is. And it's also what poetry is. And they they interact and they merge with each other. Music, I'm not a musician, though I love it, you know, but all the arts and philosophy and all that stuff really stir up that, that thread of, um, you know, being so close to, the divine, I guess, is what you said, what, what I'm really thinking. Yeah, I, I, there's, I, I talked about it in another episode, but I think that there is that feeling at different places in Yosemite that's similar to a cathedral, right? That, that imminence and that transcendence and just that overwhelming otherness that's there. And there's, there's nothing, there's no picture that can capture the feeling of standing at the foot of El Cap and looking up or, um, you know, uh, tunnel view or, you know, glacier point that's. Or the Grove of Sequoias. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's the first time that I went to up in Arnold, um, the, the Sequoia Grove there. Um, I think it's big trees national park is what it's called. Um, there's just nothing to, it, it does feel, um, majestic and almost magical just being next to the trees that are that big, and I mean, they cut holes big enough in them for cars to drive through, which was obviously very bad for the trees. <laughs> um, but uh, just seeing, you see pictures of it, but there's just nothing like that. Or some of the ones that have fallen down and my kids crawling through the inside and just the gnarliness of the roots of those fallen trees. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really cool place. It's a great place to go and paint. And speaking of children crawling through the hollow trees, 
There's um, a lot of black oak in Yosemite, and there's one that was on the corner where the chapel is. Um, Actually, there were two on the corner, big, massive black oaks. And we always kind of thought of them as our grandparents, you know, poetically. Mm -hmm. And when I left and went to Alaska um, a long time ago now, but when I came back to Yosemite, those trees were gone, and a teenager black oak had grown up out of out of the stump mm-hmm. and one of the trees had been dragged across the road there to the other side where our house used to be and they had um the loggers had placed it right where my grandma's room was oh wow because we used to look out the window at the chapel when we were little kids when there were weddings and stuff you know and we'd get our popcorn and just watch all the people come in their fancy clothes and stuff and so when you say you grew up in yosemite valley you mean like you grew up in the valley yeah oh wow that's that's just amazing i'm i'm kind of jealous right now um so one of the things you've got a lot of work hanging here in the co-work um and then you shared with me some of the um the pieces uh on your website as well so as I was trying to look at that stuff and walk around and gain um, a little bit of, uh, I'm definitely not any kind of art um, aficionado or, um, you know, somebody who really knows much about art at all. Um, but there's a lot of interesting angles at which you view the subject of your painting. And so is there a process or is it, like, how do you choose the viewpoints for your works? Some of it has to do with the type of painting. Like if you're doing a plein air work on the on the spot, and you're you know the weather and the light changing and the bugs and the wind and all that, <laughs> um, it's a really fast process, relatively speaking, because you're there in the moment and you have to get it down. And if you don't get it down, like in a couple hours, everything's going to be different. Um, and then you usually, what I usually do, if I don't finish on the spot that day, I'll take it home and finish it in the studio. And sometimes it loses its its freshness, you know, or it turns into something else, another kind of thing. Whereas um, studio paintings are, I hope this answers your question as far as viewpoint, um, that the plein air paintings, you know, are usually you're focused on something as quickly as you can focus on something because there's so much out there. Mm-hmm. And you have to try to eliminate all the extraneous stuff and find a composition really fast. So the process out there is you could do little quick sketches, thumbnails, um, and figure out a, a composition and a format. Is it going to be tall and narrow or wide and, and so forth? Um, the viewpoint in in the studio or in, in another inside area, um, you have much more time to make decisions. And mm. a lot of times I'll cut out stencils so I could try it on my painting and process to see what it would look like. It has to be dry, of course, but I'd put it over the top with my idea, like maybe I want to put like a silhouette of trees in front of something. And I want to see what it's going to look like without being committed. Right. So you could do stuff like that. Um, you can incorporate different points of view from fo- photography. You know, I take a lot of photographs on my iPhone. And if I'm not on the scene, then I use those to, to do a process of paintings 
right now I've been working on a portrait of my grandmother and um, I have to use old photographs, like over a hundred year old photographs and they're all gnarly and faded and stuff. But it's kind of fun because I can be creative, you know, and um, add stuff because I knew her very well. I was 16 when she passed away. So, you know, I, I knew her pretty well. And um, I could add stuff into this. This is stuff I won't be doing outside. <laughs> I could add things that she loves stellar jays, blue jay feathers. Um, she loved um, Christmas wrap. She'd save everything, you know, and use it to create other stuff because she was an artist too mm -hmm. in her own way. Um, so it just depends on, on the project you're working on, I guess. Yeah. So I wanted to ask that question because it, with having um, kind of a thought in my mind is, it, is do you do a lot of, of hiking yeah. in the area? Because I do a lot of hiking myself um, and a lot of the works felt like um, they weren't something where you said, I'm going to paint this. And then you like went and took a picture of it and then like started it. Right. Like it seems, I know when I'm hiking, especially through Yosemite, there's sometimes like on four mile um, hike where uh, four mile trail where you're going up to Glacier Point, you're doing a million switchbacks back and forth. And then every once in a while you'll get um, a peek through the, the trees of El Cap or, you know, something else, you know, one of the falls. And so um, I felt that sometimes looking at your pictures of almost like you had walked and then you turned and you saw something really beautiful and then you were able to capture it in the painting. I don't know if that um, is true at all to your yeah. experience. Uh, well, uh, there are certain drawbacks with hiking with, a lot of gear, right. <laughs> heavy gear. Um, I'll take a sketchbook and my my phone. And sometimes, especially if I'm not hiking with a four or five people that aren't artists, you know, because you don't want to stop and hold everyone up and all that. But I'll take a sketchbook and do sketches and figure out compositions that way. And then I'll take several shots of it, um, of whatever it happens to be, Yosemite Falls or El Cap or because there's awesome views on that trail you mentioned. Yeah. But everywhere in Yosemite, um, you know, it's awesome views. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not hard to find a great view. Um, and I, I think that really seeing, I think looking at your work and El Cap Oblique and East Side Aspen, I think were two of those where, um, and I'll put these up on the website as well so people can see them. Uh, the El Cap Oblique is just a really interesting angle, like up at the, at the rock kind of, you know, peeking through the trees. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think Eastside Aspen, if I remember that one correctly, it's almost like you're below the tree looking like straight up at the, from the trunk, yeah. just looking straight up. Yeah. It's a section. For, uh, I was looking straight up, at, but I couldn't get the whole thing on the, it didn't have the impact I wanted it to have if I tried to fit the whole tree on the canvas because I would have to make the tree too skinny and it'd be wimpy looking. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I just took like the the top maybe, I don't know, two-fifths or something like that so I could make it really, you know, powerful. Yeah, but I think that you get that. Like you, it it's when you see the work at, 
makes you feel like you're there looking up at the tree because I try to do some photography. Um, and that's hard sometimes. You want to like get the whole majestic thing in there, but you can't, right? Like you have to like make choices and and kind of figure out like what's the angle and trying to figure out a cool angle. And I think that you captured that in those. Um, but those are just two works that I felt like specifically kind of got that I'm hiking, I look over and there's just something really beautiful breaking through the trees yeah. and capturing that. Um, so maybe a little bit different. Um, I notice, you know, a lot of your work seems like it's, it's landscape mm-hmm. type stuff, but there were a few of them um, that I noticed that had animals in it. Um, Ravens at Dewey Point was one um, and view from the top uh, has a bird in it as well. Um, so were those, were there's a certain reason why you included those? Um, was there any kind of fun decision or just just something about that moment captured you and wanted to preserve it? Um, you know, I didn't um, often include animals until just occasionally I would, but I, I, I've been using them more and more in my paintings, using them. That sounds weird, but... Um, including them, including them, yeah. because I, you know, I'm I'm trying to, um, the holistic approach that everything's connected, and I really do believe that. And um, going back to that Celtic thing of you know the the thin places and you know the divine and all that stuff, I I want to without overburdening the whole picture, I want to include things like that. So I have one of deer, it's called Deer and Light, and they were right outside our house at Ponderosa Basin. Um, So I've been doing that more and more. Plus they're very uh, interesting focal point, you know, because they're very appealing, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, um, beautiful creatures and so, yeah. Was there, um, it sounds like you're trying to do it more now. Was there a process of learning or growing or reflecting um, to include them? Was there a confidence level that you were like, oh, okay, I can do animals and include them in here and have it really be a high quality work? Or what was, um, like, what changed, do you think, as you reflected on that and started to include them more? Um, hmm. Well, probably that a learning curve was in there. Also, um, to get back to the studio painting, uh, those particular pictures were all, for the most part, the ones with the animals, were the end product of this huge long journey of going out and sketching and um, reading about the natural history of whatever, you know, the deer or the the ravens or whatever it is, which I enjoy doing, you know, and finding about their habitat and how they interact or don't interact, all all I could find out about them. And then, um, you know, I felt like I knew enough about them that I could include them in a, in a painting without, you know, without it being a, a, a horrible picture. <laughs> yeah. Um. Are there any particular areas or features that you feel yourself 
drawn back to, or there's kind of a yearning sometimes of like, I need to go back and paint that again, or just any that make you happy to paint? I love going to the river um, because there's a spot on the river by the footbridge, which is if you're at the chapel, you can see the footbridge over in the meadow. And then if you kept on going on that footpath, you end up over by Yosemite Lodge. Because our house and the chapel were our little area when we were growing up. And it was also my mother's and her sister's area, my grandfather and his family's area. So that place has a lot of history for me. And it's also where we got married. And it's also where we all, it was our swimming hall there. And my grandfather's swimming hall. So that makes me happy going to that particular spot. And a lot of the places I go in Yosemite now, it's not that it's unhappy. It's just kind of haunting because I'll have memories of people that are, you know, that are gone now mm-hmm. that make, that kind of makes me sad. Mm-hmm. But I'll remember, you know, the, like my grandmother and my grandpa, all of those people were wonderful, wonderful people. So that part's happy. Yeah. You know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking, because I know where you're talking about, where the chapel is, you know, and they're not houses there anymore. So what happened to those? Like, did they, was there just a point in time where they were saying, okay, this is the park now and everybody who lives in here kind of has to go and then they got rid of them or what happened there? Well, um, Stephen Mather, who was, uh, I think he started the park service, um, And I think he was the person that started this thing called Mission 66. And I'm not educated to the nth degree on this, but the old village was where my family was and all the other people, or not all the other people, but a lot of the people. Mm -hmm. And the businesses were there, like the old village store. Ansel Adams Gallery, which was Best Studio, was there. Um, Pillsbury Studio, the Wells Fargo office, and people's houses, the Sentinel Hotel, lots of other buildings, the pavilion where they had um, movies when I was a kid, you know, they didn't have them when my grandparents, but all kinds of stuff was there. And Mission 66 um, had everybody move over to the other side of the river where the new village is now, where the post office is and the new village store. Well, it's not new anymore, but um, our family business, Degnan's, is in the new village next to the post office. My dad built that, that big A-frame building with the glass. Okay, yeah. um, so all the village, all the businesses outside of Camp Curry, you know, that stayed there. And uh, the stables where the housing was for the people that worked at the stables, the cowboys and cowgirls and all that stuff. Um, but I, the, the government housing area, I think has been there for a long time on the other side of the river near the new village. So that was the reason was because the, the park service, uh, and mission 66, I believe was the name of the, in the program. Okay. So everyone had to move. That's, um. I think you've opened up a new uh, era of Yosemite history that I don't think I understood. I think, and not that I'm much of a, haven't researched much, but I don't think I understood that like there were like thriving communities in the valley, mm-hmm. like in what's now 
you know, where all the tourists go. Um, I think in my mind it was, you know, it was created early as a national park and, you know, none of that stuff ever got in there, but, uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about that. And one of the things that, um, I didn't know, and I've really enjoyed learning as we've talked was, um, how much of your work is rooted in the area, you know, there's that near history of you living here and then your family's history that goes back, what, 130 years or so mm -hmm. um, in the area, but then also how in your work you also try to connect it to, um, you know, a pioneer family that came over from the old world um, and some of those uh, ideas and ways of viewing the world and how all that history gets pulled into your works um, and you can touch on, on things like the holistic nature that the, the thin places, um, but also in your work, there's going to be elements of, I used to live <laughs> across the street from this, you know, and I'm, I'm uh, preserving some of my uh, family history in a way that is accessible to everybody, but also has a very personal element to you. It's not just, oh, this is a pretty place. It's, oh, this is a pretty place that I used to play as a kid. We paint it too. We paint it when we were children in that metal by the chapel or over by the footbridge. There were seven kids, and um, especially my sister that's close in age to me. Um, we'd go out when we were very little, and our grandparents and parents always give us all these art supplies and stuff, and we'd go out and paint. It sounds like Little House on the Prairie. I'm like so jealous. Like you lived <laughs> in the valley and you're painting and swimming in Yosemite. Like And hiking. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, it's like a thing like where I've got to go do it. I've got a plan, right? Like I'm going to go into the park today. Like you used to live in the park and just um, be able to enjoy that uh, every day. So that's Yeah. It's, it's very special. And I really realize that now. I mean, I think I did then, but it, I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you can't compare anything with that. <laughs> Is there anything else that you wanted to just add before we, we finish up here? Well, I'm very excited that this book I'm working on, a book of poetry and paintings, and it's kind of in its beginning stages. So I don't really, you know, it's, I just write, let it flow. And then later I look at, at, at these poems and stories and um, try to edit them, which is quite a process. Um. I have an artisan residency coming up in Southern California in April, and I'm going to uh, be able to just go there and focus on, that's why I'm going to focus on that book for a couple of weeks only, but I mean, it'll be a start of being able to just, you know, not have as many distractions, you know, around that everyone has nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to to seeing that because I like the idea of of bringing a lot of different types of um, artistic, um, not just like visual arts, but also, you know, writing and stuff like that and drawing it all together. So that's pretty cool. Well, thank you. This has been really fun and I feel like I've learned a lot and it's been really interesting. So I just, I really appreciate you coming out and chatting. Oh, thank you, Tom. Thank you. Really? Yeah, yeah of course.